Hey everyone, and welcome to Unison Christian Church, the podcast. We exist to change our community with the life-changing truth of Jesus, elevate a culture of love and holistic growth, and serve as a family built on hope. Our desire is that today's message helps you discover fresh new ways of connecting with God. Now, here is today's message. So if it's your first time here, what's up? My name is Chase. I get to serve as the lead pastor here and also Ben's twin. And (laughs) um, thanks, Choice. And I have an incredibly, like, vulnerable sermon Uh, because, um, so we're not in a sermon series. I actually need to back up for a moment. I told you all a couple weeks ago we're going to be starting a sermon series in October, kind of dealing with spirit world things, and um, we're actually going to pause on that. Uh, And um, we're a pretty transparent family, so we kind of let each other know what's going on. Um, uh, There's parts of that sermon series as we're crafting it that are heavy. And as we are kind of joining households and becoming one family, we thought, hmm, that might be a little too heavy for, <laughs> for our first sermon series out the gate. So uh, that sermon series will actually bring to, uh, we'll, we'll have in January-ish. Um, but we will be starting a sermon series in a couple of weeks, and you'll get more information about that as we go. Um, so, uh, yeah. Also, last week, um, not related at all, was the first time um, that I was here looking at you all and didn't see two churches. Um, and I, so I was just really excited about that last week. <laughs> um, honestly, it, it, was, uh, it was wild. I didn't even realize it until after. I was like, hey, that feels good. So you, my Unison fam, glad that we're together this morning. Um, told you it's vulnerable because Tuesday morning I woke up and honestly felt uh, that the Holy Spirit wanted me to preach about something that is, um, it's sensitive and honestly it it has required quite a bit of conviction even in myself. Uh, And um, he wanted me to preach about the older members of our family, preach to and about the older members of our family. Um, and I, it's vulnerable because socially what it means to be older and how we navigate that in church and how we don't really navigate that in church. And I realized, and a part of the conviction was I've preached about kids here. I've preached about women. I've preached about men. I've preached about teenagers, I've preached about people my age, but I've never, had, never written a sermon that had to do with older members of our family. And it was, a, it was a conviction. And also, there's a part of us socially, when we're vulnerable and uncomfortable, we want to make it light and funny. And it's not. <laughs> so... Uh, The whole week, um, to be completely honest, um, this putting this together didn't actually finish until this morning because of how vulnerable that was. I was honestly thinking about it and processing it and praying and looking through scripture since Tuesday. And it wasn't until like Friday night that any kind of real semblance of order came to this thing. Um, But 
I'm thankful for where God has, has brought us in this space. So the title of the sermon is called Seasoned. If you've been around here, I like to call our older fam Seasoned Saints. Uh, and there's lots of pictures that come to mind when we think of seasoned. Um, but there's a definition that I want you us to, to, to know. It's the third def- definition in the Oxford Languages Dictionary. It says, accustomed to particular conditions. In other words, experienced. So like they're a seasoned skier or a seasoned banker. And in this reality, it's a seasoned liver, <laughs> a seasoned saint, a seasoned person. And the part that really, really stood out to me was the particular conditions part. I think if we're honest about life overall, even as we start to process things spiritually, there are a particular set of conditions that we as human beings live in that over time we develop a sense of mastery for, but we aren't born that way. And so all of our older fam, you have a sense of experience in the particular condition of living that is a beautiful part of our community and our family as a whole. There's some verses in Scripture that some of us would be familiar with. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 29 says, The glory of the young is their strength. The gray hair of experience is the splendor of the old. Some of you already know I like gray hair. Like, because if you've been around here, I've talked about the fact that, like, I like gray hair. Not in a weird kind of fetishy way. (laughs) I, my family, like my parents always talked about how gray hair was a sign of wisdom. Like it was always something in our household that we talked about to the point where as my siblings and I got older, we would literally like send each other videos. Like I got another one, like wisdom coming in, right? I am one of the people who like, I like bringing the gray hairs in my beard to the front and I get mad when it doesn't show up in the same section. Like, I want it to show up that, like, I earn these gray hairs. Like, <laughs> uh, so this is not really about me preaching about gray hair, though. Uh, you can dye your hair if you want to. It's okay. There's another portion of Scripture, though, that kind of really gets to the heart of why specifically gray hair. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 31 says, gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained by living a godly life. I know that we don't think about the signs of aging the way that biblical writers do. We have in our culture a desire to avoid the signs of aging. But there wasn't hair dye back when Solomon was writing this. There wasn't Botox and there wasn't any other thing that we could do that would prohibit the signs of aging from showing up on our bodies. So when there was a way of seeing that, it was gray hair. It was the signs of age. But it it wasn't something that Solomon wrote to pander to older members of their community. 
It was a signal to the world that this person has lived a life worth emulating. That's the only way they made it to gray hair. Like, it's more practical than it is deep and spiritual. Like, even in our world, I have people who I graduated from high school with who are not alive. They passed before gray hair became a reality for them. There is something about getting older and showing the signs of that that signal to the world that you have lived a life at the very least that allowed you to be able to get here. In a world where there are so many dangers, in a world where things are unpredictable, this person has lived such a way, such pattern life, that they actually get to look old. That was a part of the culture that I grew up in, honestly, as it related to age. Whenever I would read through Proverbs, I'm a person who reads through Proverbs once a year. And whenever I read through Proverbs, those verses excite me because that reminds me of things that my parents would say. That's a part of why every single birthday I get excited. It's not just because everybody is going to celebrate me and I, but I listen, I'm going to tell you too. I'm going to go into Meyer and I'm telling the people it's my birthday. Okay? Listen. Okay? I only get one of them a year. You're going to celebrate me. No. <laughs> but not just that. It's because, especially over the last year, there are hundreds, thousands, millions of people who don't get to, don't get to get another gray hair. Don't get to have more crow's feet. Don't get to have more smile lines. And I do. Proverbs talks a lot about wisdom. And we have a cultural anticipation that wisdom comes with age. That's in some ways a part of what happens in Scripture. But I want to separate a couple of things for us. Wisdom comes from God. That's a, that's a more consistent theme throughout Scripture. But as we age, we gather what I'm calling acquired sense. Not common sense, because common sense means that we all share it, right? But acquired sense means it's something that over time I gather, I pick it up as I go, right? And so when I was a younger adult, I quit a job before I had another one. I got some acquired sense that day, <laughs> right? Oh, look, and, the, and all of the seasoned saints in the room are saying like, yeah, <laughs> that's not a thing, Chase, because <laughs> there's an acquired sense. When you're 19 and somebody at your job says something that you don't like, you don't have that acquired sense yet, and you just quit, and all them bills start racking up. But when you're 50... You can say what you want. I got bills to pay. <laughs> and I'll silently look for something else on the side. <laughs> right? That's, a, that's not common sense. I know we call it common sense, but it's not. Right? That's acquired sense. Common sense is when it's cold, put a jacket on. That's common sense. Acquired sense is before you leave a job, make sure you have another thing lined up. Wisdom comes from God, but this acquired sense is something that we actually need from our elders. 
One of my favorite portions of Moses' story is after the Ten Commandments, after all of that, Moses is judging all these hundreds of thousands of people, and he is literally wearing himself out. Some of you know this story. You've read it. He is wearing himself thin to the point where he is ragged by the end of the day. After judging all of these people, the big cases, the small cases, the in-between cases, and his father-in-law comes to him is like, Son, listen, (laughs) you have all these people here, all these intelligent humans. How about you just take care of the big cases and let the other intelligent humans take care of the small ones? God gave Moses all the wisdom he needed to get the people out of Egypt. God gave Moses, all the wisdom he needed while he was up on the mountain to deliver the Ten Commandments. But there was an acquired sense from Jethro that God didn't even give Moses. Did you see that? I love that. It's this dependency upon one another. The very leader of the children of Israel needs somebody still with acquired sense that says, stop running yourself ragged and get some assistance. All these people around here, stop letting them be lazy. That's something that, that's only something that a person with acquired sense can say, right? Stop letting these little kids be lazy. (laughs) Pull them in. Pull them in. And it actually pulls us to the space where our kind of primary text is. It's in 1 Timothy Verses only, only uh, chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully as you would your own father. Talk to younger men as you would to your own brother. In verse 2, it says, treat older women as you would your mother, and treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sister. How do we treat our parents <laughs> from a biblical standpoint is actually found in Exodus. Honor your father and mother. Then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And I know we read that and we read spiritual mysteries into it. If I honor my parents, then that means I'm going to be older. No, it's practical. Your parents have some, some acquired sense. They made it to 62. How did they make it there? It's not deep. It's not spiritual. It's not mystical. They made it to 70. How did they make it there? They made it to 80. How did they make it there? It's practical. But we also have to talk about what it is to honor in general. Because this is honestly a challenging thing for us, especially in American culture. We struggle with honoring older people. We get to confess it. We get to confess it's a part of why nobody wants to get old. It's not just that our bodies begin to fail us in ways in which we were succeeding before. It's because I know that as my body is failing me, I'm pushed closer and closer to the brink of my community and they no longer want me in the middle. 
That's the truth. We get to confess that. We get to say it out loud and we get to repent. Because scripture says to honor those around us who are older just as much as we honor our father and our mother. So what does it mean to honor? The Oxford languages says it means regard with great respect. I think there's a part of that that's true. There's a part of that that's true. I want us to hold that because it's important. But I kind of made up a, 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 <laughs> a definition, just kind of taken from what I'm calling biblical sense. It's this full breadth of Scripture. Full, the full breadth of Scripture, when, as it relates to honoring anyone or anything, is to lift up one's face. And face is not just the top of my body. Face is this communal esteem. Right? That's what, like, whenever you talk, when somebody could potentially be embarrassed and they're trying to save face, it's not that they're just trying to make sure that their face doesn't get hit. It's they're trying to preserve their communal esteem. That's what it means to honor someone is to lift up their communal esteem. Not just so that you feel good about them, but so that everyone in the community feels good about them too. When we honor God, it's not just obeying God. It is lifting up the face of our God, his communal esteem. When we honor our elders, it's not just being nice to them in front of their face, but not allowing them to be engaged for real. It is lifting up their face, their communal esteem. If we were to take that a little bit further... Respect specifically has to do with position. That's why we do so well with it in America. That's why we firmly understand what respect is because we're very position-oriented people. <laughs> like who's on top, who's the boss, respect them. Who's making the decisions, respect them. It's honestly a part of why we struggle with honoring older folks because we also push them out of making decisions. But if in our minds we think that honor and respect are the same thing, then we struggle. They're not the same. That doesn't mean they don't have blending. They blend sometimes. But what it means to honor means to value. It doesn't mean to just respect their position. Because the reality is you don't have to have a position for me to honor you. <laughs> like... This is not meant to be demeaning at all, but the biblical, uh, the biblical bar for honoring is low. It's low. Moses, one of the most honored people in the Old Testament, was an adopted murderer. That's a low bar, fam. <laughs> Jesus. I know we like, we like to honor Jesus, and we should. But from a human standpoint, and the people he was hanging out with, he was a small-town homeless person. <laughs> Did you think about it like that? No, because you respect him too much. But let's honor him regardless, because he didn't actually do that many great things from a worldly standpoint. He didn't. He did lots of great things spiritually. He did, he, he, for eternity, he's done some amazing things. But when you actually look at it, like he didn't like start any like revolutions while he was here. 
He didn't like infiltrate the government while he was here. He wasn't president, high priest, wasn't even a pastor. A homeless man with a bunch of people following around eating two fish and loaves. That doesn't dishonor our God. It just places, it places that bar of what it is to honor someone where it should be. And it has nothing to do with what they bring to the world around you. That's the difference between honor and respect. We tend to respect individuals who have high positions. And I think that's appropriate. But we do not honor people who have low positions. And that is unbiblical. And so, we struggle honoring our elders because they may retire out of positions and not make decisions. But that has nothing to do with your value. Has nothing to do with your value has nothing to do with how much you are loved, has nothing to do with how much you are desired to be a part of the family, has nothing to do with how much we need your acquired sense. We have to dig a little bit deeper because some of us actually struggle with the idea of honoring in general especially as it comes to the idea of honoring our parents. We have rifts. The reason why I separated that idea of position and value is because as we, as we age into adulthood, our parents no longer have the same position, but we're still trying to respect them the same way because we have this idea that honor and respect are the same thing. It's okay to separate them. Honor doesn't mean that they're always right. That's okay for us to say that. That's not what it means to honor. Honor has nothing to do with you being correct. Honoring says that you've lived to the point where you got gray hair coming out your face. How do I get there? Let me just listen. That's a hard thing sometimes because especially as Americans, we want to follow somebody. We want to respect somebody who knows what they're talking about. And the reality is sometimes... We feel like our elders don't know what they're talking about because they do weird things sometimes. It's okay. We're family. We can talk about it. Right? You were, like, you were young once, and your grandmother told you to do something that didn't make sense. When I was about 10 years old, I had a cold. And my grandmother, old school, right, born in, like, the 20s, 1923 she was born. I had a cold. Like, she told me to go get some old pantyhose out of her room, <laughs> which is never the way to start anything when you're talking to an 11-year-old boy, because <laughs> literally I don't want to be in your room at all, because <laughs> I'm afraid. But she said, go get me some pantyhose out of, out of my room. I'm like, okay. Go get me a potato. Okay. She cuts up this potato, puts it in the pantyhose, ties it around my neck, and tells me to go to sleep. Whereas I would just say, like, go get some zinc. <laughs>
She says, cut up some potatoes and put them in the pantyhose and tie it around your neck. I woke up the next morning, the potatoes were black. And I didn't have a cold. <laughs> I've never done it again. I should. But <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, and that's another reason why I was convicting, is because I started to notice how much I actually don't value the acquired sense of the elders around me. Not for real. It was a convicting week. I say that I want the elders in our community to say things. I want your voice. But the elders in my own family, I don't always value what it is that they're saying. And it's because it doesn't make sense to me, but it's probably because I haven't acquired the sense yet. That was a conviction. It's not because it's wrong. But just because I haven't acquired the sense yet. It was a convicting week, I'm telling you. I'm telling you it was a convicting week. So... We're going to honor our seasoned saints, which is not the same thing as do every single thing they say. And that's a hard thing for us to, because we're, we have to separate respect and honor, right? I'm going to respect you by doing what you tell me to do, but I'm going to honor you by saying that there, by acknowledging that there's some way in which how you have lived has allowed you to get to where you've gotten, and that's worthy of listening to. It's not the same, right? We're not kids anymore, adults, right? Some of us are kids, but, some of, but those of us who are adults, it's okay to separate the position from the value and say, you have raised children to adulthood. Perhaps you have something worth listening to for those of us who are still in the thick of raising children. I know that's hard. I know it's hard. It's hard, fam. It's hard because I feel this sense of ownership and I have to do it and they're my kids, but they're our kids. They're God's kids first and foremost, and he placed them in this community, which means he wants them to get an acquired sense from the elders in our community. And if we have barriers and walls up between our kids and our elders, guess who suffers? Not us. We're acquiring sense all all along, but they they don't have the opportunity to multiply the acquired sense that is in their own community. Shame on us. Shame on us. It's hard because it's vulnerable. And it's hard because the reality is we don't always even agree with the older people in our community. Honoring doesn't mean you agree. It simply means you value. Simply means Something about the fact that you have raised kids to adulthood. Even, real talk, we get to be vulnerable if we're family. Even if I don't like the way your kids turned out. You've acquired some sense that I can learn from. I can glean. 
But the moment I start to judge and say, mm, I don't like your life and I don't like the way your kids turn out, so I ain't got to listen to nothing you say, that's when we begin to dishonor because we don't even give them the opportunity to say what they've learned in the process. To say out loud, I wish I would have done this. To say out loud, this is what I thought and this is what I learned. Honor our seasoned saints. Listen to our seasoned saints. <laughs> That's probably more specific. Listen to. It's not, a, um, it's not a mystery that every single generation, we tend to be less patient. Right? I think about those of us who are in the room who are perhaps in who are 60 and above, you're probably less patient than your grandparents were because you've also been a part of a world that wants things to move faster. And they were a part of a world that things move slow just by nature. And their grandparents were part of a world that even moved even slower. <laughs> and it feels like the world I live in, individuals who are in their 60s move at a pace that I personally have no patience for, and that's on me. I'm the one. I'm the one that needs convicting there. I'm the one. That's on me. Told you it was a convicting week. I told you it was a convicting week because I'm starting to see in my own life, in the world around me, in the communities in which I live, how I am pushing all of the beautiful acquired sense away from and bumping our heads all the while. And then all these people in their 60s, 70s, 80s like, yeah, I could have told you that. <laughs> I tried actually, but you were moving too fast. That's on me. So if there's some things that, I, that we should reflect on, there is a biblical expectation that as we age, we live a life worth emulating. That's a biblical expectation. And we talk about that throughout our life. You can find that in Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. There's a biblical expectation that as we live, we live a life worth emulating. That's a part of why Paul encourages Titus to teach the older people to teach the younger people. And it's okay that we also let that sink in, that that is, as we age, we should not just be aging in our bodies, but we should also mature mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Let the gray hair or the crow's feet not just signal to the world that I made it by accident. Let it signal to the world that I have attained a maturity mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and yet still pursuing more maturity mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Let my life and the fruit of my life as an elder reflect spiritual groundedness emotional groundedness 
that says to the people around me, hey, you can go ask that one some questions. That's a biblical expectation. And as the rest of us are moving toward that space, there's a biblical expectation that I will eventually be an elder. And I want people to want to ask me questions. I heard a statement like a couple weeks ago, and it has stuck with me. Like legit, it has stuck with me. I'm living the story I want to tell. Like, look, I don't even, I don't even know where you got that from. But like, I'm living the story I want to tell. It seems so simple. <laughs> but that like went into the core of who I was. It was like a symbol and it just started shaking. That's what the expectation is from a biblical standpoint. But there's also another biblical expectation. It's that we look to those who are seasoned and gleaned from their acquired sense, regardless of our respect for them. That is where we as younger people have to check our, our egos and our pride. This is okay. Let's be real. Regardless of how much I respect you, I trust that we are in community for a purpose. And it's not just me making sure you have meals on wheels. I know sometimes, like, we, we have that process where we have kids, we take care of them, and then we have older folks and we take care of them. And that's kind of what we expect. No. We all take care of one another. Kids, adults, older folks, we take care of one another. And the way in which older individuals take care of us is to pass down their acquired sense. So that by the time they go to see the Father, which is the end of our earthly existence regardless of who we are, by the time they go to see the Father, they can breathe their last saying, I've poured out for my children, my sisters, my brothers. I have no regrets. And I know that we all want that. Let us also be provision for them to actually have somewhere to pour. It's been a convicting week for me. Just being honest, it's been a very convicting week for me because I see in my own life where I do not allow that to happen. And I repent. Just flat out, I repent. I don't even know what that looks like practically because I was raised in a world that tells me to not actually go seek the acquired wisdom, the acquired sense of those around me. But I have that's something that the Holy Spirit and I are working through. So, all of you, uh, I had to Google this, and I apologize. I don't even know what it means. Like, what's the age when you become elder, right? I don't know what that means. My brain was like, is, is it retiring? Is, 
I don't know exactly. <laughs> What's that? Oh, uh, what is it? When your youngest child is an adult, that's, thank you. That's the only reason I had to look it up is because I would like for us to have a, co a common culture about what it is to be an elder. That doesn't mean you're elderly, but an elder in the community means that your youngest child has reached adulthood. Look, some of us, that's a little while. Because <laughs> if you had gaps between, <laughs> you don't get to be an elder until you're 67, 67 right? <laughs> Ultimately, when we are in the company of an elder, those of us who have not reached that space, may we humble ourselves ourselves to not be in a position to just respect that's important but specifically honor specifically honor when I'm with my parents who I've gotten to see them mess up that's a part of why we struggle sometimes with honoring our parents is we've gotten to see them mess up when I'm with my parents and I've gotten to see them mess up. And my respect for them has perhaps eroded. It's okay. I know it's vulnerable. May my honor for them remain because I get to honor them. They're still here. I get to honor them, which means that they're worthy of me listening to. They're worthy of me lifting their face and saying to the community, this is someone worthy of honoring, regardless of what they know or what they don't know. For those of you who are in that elder community, May it be known now and forever as a part of our family, we love you. And more than just we love you, we need you. And not just to serve because you're retired. <laughs> we need you because you have an acquired sense that those of us who are just breaking into raising teenagers, I need you. Look, I need you. I need you personally I need you to see my kids and treat them as though you as the good that you want for your grandchildren you also lavish upon them I need that I need you when things are looking rough as it relates to parenting to invite some parents into an awkward conversation. It's awkward. I get it. We haven't really set up a culture in the United States where that's appropriate. But our rules aren't United States rules. We live biblical ones. And so those of us who are younger, when an elder comes to us and invites us into a potentially awkward conversation, breathe. Let me not immediately receive 
their acquired sense as a judgment of my parenting, but listen to what the Holy Spirit may reveal to me through them simply because they raised adults, simply because they got adults in their family. Not easy, requires humility on everybody's part, but so does everything else that relates to following Christ, right? So, elders in our family, we celebrate you and we love you. We want you here. And though the world around you may have pushed you out, may it feel different in your home, in this family. May we bring you close. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for our elders. I thank you, God, that we have people in our family who have acquired sense. Lord, may we be humble to not just accept it because they want to talk about it, but to receive it because we also believe it's from you. We believe that you have preserved them to a point of life where they get to be elders. May we receive the wisdom you will provide through them and the acquired sense along with it. Teach us, God. Humble us, Father. And those of us who are in that elder space, may, may they continue to mature in every area of their life as well. God, may we be a people that live Scripture and honor one another as you have designed us to do, not just called us, designed us to honor each other. May we lift up the faces of our elders and that their communal esteem be great among us. For all of the lies that Satan has spun that would make us believe anything other than your biblical truth, may it unravel in your presence now, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Love y'all. And I think we're good. I don't think there's anything else. So love y'all. See you next week. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and believe others could benefit from hearing about us, please remember to share and subscribe to Unison Christian Church wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also catch us live at unisongr.com or on Facebook. See you next week.